What's up, what's up, what's up, YouTube? This is Shock and Bra, and I'm coming to you live with some updates on um, the current COVID-19 pandemic. So I want to say we're going to start with Brazil. Let's talk about Brazil and what's happening in Brazil. And then we're going to move to um, Europe. We're going to get the latest on Europe, what's happening in Europe. And we're also going to discuss um, what's happening with China and India. So we have a lot to cover. I've been doing a lot of research on this um, the last couple of days. So I'm going to start this off with a news clip um, to segue and to give us some insight into what's happening in Brazil. So let me pull that up. bigger surge in coronavirus cases and deaths right now with hospitals pushed to capacity as a fast-moving variant ravages Brazil's population. So what's responsible for the surge and what's being done to try to get the spread under control? ABC's Victor Akendo spent last week reporting on the ground from Brazil and has this sobering report. The grave digging doesn't stop in Brazil. Night and day, they are making room for the unfathomable number of victims of COVID-19. Our team witnessing the grueling work firsthand. This is just one of the COVID sections inside the largest public cemetery in Sao Paulo. And the reality here is that they just can't keep up. They're digging new graves every day from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. And it's not just happening here, but across Brazil. Every grave behind me with fresh flowers. They were buried just this morning, and they're getting ready for yet another funeral. The death toll here is staggering. While we were on the ground, Brazil hit a record 3,780 lives lost in a single day. More than 330,000 dead over the last year. Over the weekend, a broadcast for Easter Mass highlighting the country's struggle. Diante de um cenário pandêmico, diante de situações tão agressivas por qual estamos passando, queremos pedir ao Redentor do Universo que olhe por nós, que olhe pelo povo brasileiro. The hospital system is being pushed to the brink of collapse. Since January, hospitalizations are up 500% nationwide for people between the ages of 30 to 59. With wow. most ICUs near or at capacity, many are left to suffer on waiting lists. We don't have enough space, enough beds, enough oxygen, enough medications for all these people with this variant that is very, very fast in the transmission. That highly contagious P1 variant running rampant, especially among younger people. It's very clear that the transmission is much higher, much higher. The age of the population that our patients that are in, in, with the disease is they are younger. They are younger with a severe disease. Much of the blame falling on embattled President Jair Bolsonaro, who has criticized lockdowns, denied science, and lashed out at even fired leaders who have defied him, like his former Minister of Health. The system is just collapsing. We have a health problem we have a social problem we have an economic problem with the way that he's dealing but beside the whole all the others education culture the country is now on its fourth minister of health since the start of the pandemic but with an election approaching and approval numbers dipping bolsonaro is scrambling to acquire as much vaccine as possible the rollout moving at a snail's pace just over two percent of brazilians are fully vaccinated the 
playground here at this school in Sao Paulo has been converted into a vaccination site. Right here behind me, that's where people register. And then down on that end, that's where shots go into arms. Here they're offering two vaccines, one from China and one from Great Britain. This site is for people 68 and older like Inio Arantes. How did it feel? I'm very happy. You're happy? Yeah, yeah. But much of the country is falling behind. A lack of supply, frustrating officials who say the country is ready to distribute the vaccine. Brazil has a very strong um, system for delivering the vaccines, one of the best in the world. More than a year into the pandemic, even testing is an issue here. COVID testing isn't free in Brazil, so for the poorest people really? in a favela like this one in very tight quarters. What? So you're telling me that you can't go get tested for free in Brazil? Like, that's crazy. Like, I, I know that there's free testing in America for sure, but you mean to tell me that people can't even go get tested in Brazil? That's crazy. Like, Brazil has a lot of uh, black people. There's a, a very large black population in Brazil. So, you know, a lot of times they say, you know, black people are the worst ones hit with the <clears throat> with COVID, right? Now, that's true, but you also got to keep in mind that some of the most poorest people in Brazil are black people. So they can't get tested without paying money. So if you can't get tested, then you can't know what's wrong with you. And then you can't be for sure if you even have it. So, you know, I think that that's really crazy that people in Brazil have to pay to get tested, especially because Brazil is almost up there with America as far as um, death toll. Like, I think they have like 300,000 deaths in Brazil and we have like 500,000 in America. So Brazil is number two for deaths and there's still no free testing. So what this, what this pandemic has taught me is like, I'm in America, I have, like America has its problems as far as like the healthcare system. Cause like even my mom is complaining about, um, you know, like Beaumont Hospital, right? I I personally had a good experience with Beaumont Hospital, but there's been other people that have had bad experiences with Beaumont Hospital. There's people that have had bad experiences with Henry Ford Hospital, you know what I'm saying? So, but overall though, overall, if you compare our healthcare system to uh, the healthcare system in countries in like Latin America, ours is definitely better, right? So what this whole situation with Brazil is teaching people is like each country has its own healthcare system. Each country has its own insurance, the way they do insurance, the way they pay for medication. And a lot of times these more poorer countries, I guess you could call them, they don't invest as much in healthcare in those kind of countries compared to America. Like for me, I go like, I, I would think that I went to one of the best hospitals in, in Michigan, Beaumont. Um, but it also just depends on where you are because if you're going to Beaumont, there's Beaumont Dearborn, there's Beaumont Farmington, there's Beaumont Troy. So I chose Farmington Hills because I know a lot of I know a lot of white people live in Farmington Hills. So I was like, let me make sure I go to Farmington Hills to make sure I get treated right. You know, so this is a problem in America too. Like the hospitals in Detroit are not as good as 
the hospitals in like Farmington Hills and like the suburbs. So what's happening in Brazil and what what's happening in India, which we're going to get to in a second, is basically just it's a reflection of the government basically neglecting to invest a lot of money into the healthcare system because they don't value life as much um, in those countries, right? So that I just wanted to point that out real quick, you know, basically about the test not being free. I think that's crazy. One test will cost about a third of their monthly income. Did you hear that? They said one COVID test could cost about a third of their monthly income. That is insane. Like, what the hell? But this is due to the economy. This is due to the the currency and the, the inflation rate of Brazil. So, like, let's I'm going to just look up Brazilian dollar to USD. So one dollar of our money. So one dollar of our money is basically five dollars and sixty cents to to Brazil. So uh, the United States money, we know how small a dollar is. So even if you just want to think like, okay, these are people that are impoverished. They might not be making more than a couple hundred bucks a month. So yeah, if that test is like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or even two hundred bucks, whatever it is, if that test is um not covered by insurance, right? Because a lot of times poor people don't get insurance. But um I'm curious to know like does Brazil have like government aid or anything, like Medicaid, like like, what the hell? So I'm reading something that says, um, Brazil does provide free universal access to medical care to anyone legally living in the country. However, this means that waiting times can be long at public hospitals, especially those in rural areas. So, they're saying that they have universal health care in Brazil, but it doesn't look like it. It doesn't really look like it. So I'm going to do some more research on that. As far as that is concerned. But basically, like, there's a difference between public health care and private health care. Like, just think about it. Like, if you go to... Um, like a public school versus a private school, you're you're going to get a decent education at the public school, but the private school is going to be way better. And so basically a lot of these people probably get government aid, but maybe even the government aid doesn't cover the test all the way. So, yeah, that's probably why. An NGO provided 1,200 tests. However, the population of that favela alone is 200,000. Are you serious? Latin America's they provided 12, the government provided 1,200 tests for a city that has 200,000 people. Look at these houses, people. This is lets you know the level of poverty in Brazil. Like, it's really sad. Like, look at how these houses are built. It looks like they're built with uh, wood and they're so close together. They're so close together. Um, it's crazy. I want to look up poverty in Brazil. 
So basically, um, in Brazil, their poverty rate is 19.8% as of 2018. Basically, 20% of the population is in poverty in Brazil, one out of five people. Now, if you compare that to America, our poverty rate is 10.5%, right? So they have double, double the amount of poverty in Brazil that we have in America. You know, that's really sad. That's really crazy. Um, and it's really sad that they only provided 1,200 tests for a city that has 200,000 people. Make it make sense. The largest country and an epicenter of this pandemic wave, it's having an impact on its neighbors who now blame Brazil for their rising case numbers, and they're not taking any chances. Chile is closing its borders to foreigners. Argentina is restricting flights to and from Brazil. Colombia closed its border with Brazil earlier this year. And last week, its president, citing the raging virus, canceled the trip to meet Bolsonaro in Brazil. All of us are connected globally through trade, through travel. What happens in Brazil is going to affect the United States. It's going to affect the rest of the globe. Maria de Jesus' 22-year-old son, Renan, first noticed something was wrong when he couldn't smell anything at the supermarket. He tested positive for the virus, and within days, his condition deteriorated. Despite having trouble breathing, he was one of those stuck on a waiting list for an ICU bed in Sao Paulo. By the time he received treatment, it was too late. He died two weeks ago. Maria says she doesn't want anyone to suffer the way she is now. For ABC News, Victor Okendo, reporting from Brazil. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage. Video. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, that's crazy. So basically, um, we need to talk about viruses for a second. We need to talk about mutations and stuff like that. Because a lot of people don't understand that even the flu, the reason why in America they want you to get a flu shot every year is because the flu virus mutates every single year. It's always mutating. That's the thing about viruses and bacteria is that they are basically immortal in the sense of like, they can always mutate and change their genetics and become new again, right? So with COVID, there's so many variants and all of these variants are in America right now or in Canada, at least, I think. But um, what they're saying is that the P1 variant is more infectious, it spreads faster. So uh, I just wanna get some information about the P1 variant um, so let's talk about this real quick. Those highly transmissible variants are amazing. Major problem in BC and Alberta. The B117 variant, first discovered in the UK, is growing exponentially in those provinces. And now the P1 variant, which first emerged in Brazil, 
is surging too. As Heather Yerkes West reports, health officials are warning Canadians, even those who have been vaccinated, about the serious risks. Hospitals in BC and Alberta are bracing themselves for what could be a devastating spring. We're now seeing in the hospital and the intensive care units are younger people between their 40s and 50s who are having devastating responses to these new variants. But it's no longer just one new variant driving exponential growth. Last week, a large cluster involving the P1 variant that first emerged in Brazil was identified in the Vancouver coastal region. Many cases linked to an outbreak in the ski town of Whistler, BC. BC Health ordered the ski resort to close as part of new restrictions to control viral spread. We're seeing the numbers of these P1 variants grow faster than we are for other variants. The P1 variant first emerged in Brazil in late December 2020. The first Canadian case was confirmed in Toronto on February 7th. BC didn't report its first case until March 9th, but as of April 1st, there were 379 cases, making BC a global hotspot for this highly infectious variant. Alberta Health is also investigating what it calls a significant outbreak linked to a large employer with multiple sites across Western Canada. So far, three cases of the P1 variant have been confirmed, but that number is expected to rise. The emerging data does suggest that the P1 variant causes more significant, worse disease in younger people, worse outcomes, increased hospitalizations. There is also evidence the P1 variant virus can spread among those that have received a COVID-19 vaccine. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? Even if you've been fully vaccinated, they're saying the, the virus, because it's mutated, it can spread from vaccinated people. Pause, pause, pause. That'll fuck them up. That'll really fuck them up right there. <laughs> because the whole time they keep saying, we need to get everybody vaccinated. Everybody needs to get vaccinated. Okay, so damn near 60 million people have been vaccinated already. Just because you're vaccinated, if you get the, if, if somebody around you has P1 or if you come into contact with P1, you can um, reinfect yourself and reinfect the public is what they're saying. So <laughs> that is fucking crazy. Like it's insane, bro. That's all I can say is that it's just, it's insane. It's insane. It's insane. That's crazy. should prevent those infected from becoming seriously ill. There are not a lot of direct studies on vaccine effectiveness in P1. They're lab studies. And based on the lab studies, the vaccines that we have in Canada right now do have still an ability to neutralize the virus in terms of the antibody response. Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health did not speak to the media today. Her next update is scheduled for tomorrow after the Alberta government's COVID cabinet committee is scheduled. Okay. So, y'all just heard that about P1. Um, also, so there's a double there's a double mutant COVID variant that is um, in America. So I'm gonna play a clip from today as well. Get an update on that. NBC News medical contributor, Dr. Vin Gupta, joining us now to discuss the latest. 
on these vaccine and variant headlines. Dr. Gupta, good morning. Good morning, Alan. Good to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. Now, over the weekend, there's a new variant that was first detected in India, but confirmed in Northern California. What can you tell us about that? And, and what does it mean as far as prolonging the pandemic when it comes to these variants? You know, Al, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty about this specific variant. It's otherwise known as a double mutant because it looks like there's two parts. There's been two changes that have been detected in this variant to a key part of the virus, the spike protein we've heard a lot about. That actually helps anchor onto our lung cells in our airways and enters our lung cells, causes infection, causes pneumonia. It has two changes, not just one. And these are, this is what makes it a variant of concern because we're worried that the more that this, that there are changes to this key part of the virus, the spike protein, that's what antibodies from vaccines really target and try to block. They there try to go. bind to it so that- There we go. Okay, so the vaccine is created through mRNA. mRNA is put into your system to create spike proteins, right? So that- so that your your cells can block those spikes. But what they're saying is that there's a double mutated virus with two mutations, and the virus has found a way to change the spike protein, which is how it attaches to your lung cells. So that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying this mutant does. It, it doesn't need to use the regular way of the spike protein to enter the cells that the virus can enter our lung cells. So the more it changes, the more we're worried, could this escape that the protection we're getting from vaccines? The answer is we just don't know yet. So he's basically saying they're worried that the changes in this double mutated virus could stop the vaccines from being effective. And he's saying they don't really know at this point. We haven't done the studies. We don't know how prevalent this is, but definitely concerning Alan, this is the reason why or this is a race against time. Coronaviruses like to change. They like to change and evolve. So the more we give it the chance to change, the more something like this can happen. Dr. Gupta, the CDC issued new guidelines on Friday saying fully vaccinated people can travel freely without having to self-quarantine. Can you break the details for us, break down the details for us? So the CDC said people that are fully vaccinated can freely travel, right? Now, they just said before that, they just said that this new double mutated virus has changed how it enters your lung cells. So just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get reinfected. Okay. Just because you're fully vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get reinfected. So with the CDC opening up the way for people to freely travel, even if they're fully vaccinated, guess what? Guess what's about to happen, people? Guess what's about to happen? We're, they're, they're about to get reaffected and they can spread it to other people even though they've been vaccinated so just keep that in mind that more people are traveling now than they were last year because now the cdc has reversed the guidelines and basically said everybody that's vaccinated can travel wherever they want on that but also are folks who maybe aren't fully vaccinated could they try to take advantage of this too could that lead to some issues now that things are opening up more 
Well, Dylan, on your second question first, I, I, I worry that uh, if, if individuals who are not fully vaccinated may think or take the risk that they're fully protected, you're not. Wait two weeks after you complete your vaccine regimen, either after the second dose of Pfizer or Moderna or after the first dose of J&J. That's when you're fully vaccinated. To your second question, I, I think this is great news and it's appropriate the CDC did this because we know, one, that airline, being in an airplane cabin is actually quite safe. All things considered, if you're masking, distancing, if you're cleaning that surface with the Purell wipes that they generally provide, there's a lot of air exchange. It's, it's pretty safe to be in a cabin. Add the fact that you're fully vaccinated, and we know that the vaccine itself provides a lot of protection. That's why you don't necessarily need to quarantine, but it's really important to continue to mask in public, even once you've arrived at your destination, in the event that you might still be a transmitter of the virus, even if you're protected from its worst impacts. So I think this is a really smart move by the CDC. Okay, how, how is it a smart move? How is it a smart move when we have a P1 variant in Brazil, and now we have a double mutation, a doubly mutated virus from India, and we have the UK mutation. So we had at least five or six different mutations. Maybe there's mutations that we don't even know about yet. And like they just said, the, the, the mutation is changing the spike protein on the virus that attaches to your lung cells to cause pneumonia. So the thing about it is like, I understand what the CDC is saying. I understand that they feel like, okay, if you're vaccinated, you're fine. But that's that's only half true. That's only half true because just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get reinfected. Okay, and just because you're safe on the plane doesn't really mean anything because once you get to Brazil or Portugal or wherever you go, there's other variants there. So that's what people need to keep in mind. You know, that's why I'm not traveling right now. I'm not going anywhere right now. I'm staying where I'm at. The only place I might go is Texas. That's about it. But, you know, just be, I think a lot of people are getting the impression that, okay, I'm vaccinated, I'm good. And it's like, no, there are variants, people. There are mutations. So people need to just be aware of that, you know. Dr. Gupta, we've been talking about the fact that we're starting to see another spike in cases and some worry about a fourth wave of the virus. We know you've been working recently in a COVID unit near a college town. What have you noticed with younger people? Well, Chanel, I'll say that the average age of, of the 13 patients in that ICU in Arizona was about 40. And really? I, the sickest patients I was caring for, it was quite young. Sickest uh, patient Chanel was actually in their mid-30s. It came down with a very rare but a very significant side effect from coronavirus. It's called Guillain-Barre syndrome, basically full-body paralysis. Mm. Rare but concerning. Here's my message to young people across the country. Don't think you're protected from this virus. I've seen a very rare but concerning side effects, whether it's strokes, whether it's this that I just talked about, Guillain-Barre. You can't predict it. Get the vaccine. This is a very deadly virus in certain instances. Don't take a chance. Uh, we've been seeing some lockdowns, Dr. Gupta, in, in Europe again, places like France, places like Italy, and the U.S., as you know, restrictions have been rolling back in a number of states. Do you think that could reverse if positivity rates climb too high? No, Craig, I, 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 by all accounts, we're expected to have some degree of normalcy as defined by 
minimal hospitalizations and deaths by the end of June. That's the hope. There is, however, Craig, in a scenario where the variants take root, where we open up too soon, where we're predicting here at IHME that we're still having over 1,500 deaths a day, 100,000 infections. We think that's less likely, but it's possible. So we could absolutely fall by the way of France or what we're seeing with our neighbors in Canada, Brazil, India, the rest of the world's in chaos right now, Craig. There's a chance we could fall by that way, by that forecast. But the overwhelming likelihood is that we actually... Okay, so he's basically saying there's a chance we could end up just like Brazil, just like India, just like Europe. So they're planning on opening everything back up by June, but we have to wait and see. We got to wait and see what's going to happen. And my prediction is that I, I don't think this, I don't think we're going to open up back in June because well, all of these new variants, like why, why would it, why would the whole world be in chaos and then the United States would be protected? Like, especially with open travel, for vaccinated people, like travel is open. More people are traveling now than ever. So just wait and see what happens in May and June. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. So that's just an update on the P1 variant. I want to get an update on Europe right now because there's a lot going on with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So let's talk about the AstraZeneca vaccine and what's happening with that over there. Vaccine for young adults has been in the spotlight today. The UK's leading health experts have issued new guidance following evidence that in extremely rare cases, people who've had the vaccine have gone on to develop blood clots. The official regulator, the MHRA, said the guidance was not proof that the vaccine had caused the clots, but it said the link was getting firmer. So from now on, people aged between eight... So the vaccine is not proof that people are getting blood clots, but the link is getting firmer. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. We're talking about perfectly healthy people. Like I'm going to show you another clip. There's a doctor in Florida who actually, there's a couple people that I know. There's a doctor in Florida who got vaccinated and he died from blood clots like literally a couple days later. And mind you, AstraZeneca is not authorized in the United States. So he got vaccinated, I want to say by Pfizer, and he developed blood clots and nobody's raising any eyebrows about Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson & Johnson. But they're saying the link between these blood clots and the vaccine is getting firmer. And then they're also saying, oh, there's no evidence. It can't, it can't be both. It has to be one or the other. You know what I'm saying? But what they're doing for uh, a lot of publicity reasons and, you know, mainstream media purposes, they're trying to say there's no evidence, there's no evidence, there's no evidence. But that's not true. 18 and 29 will be offered an alternative to the Oxford AstraZeneca jab. But those who've already had their first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine should go ahead and get the second dose. Now, pregnant women and people with certain blood disorders should consult their doctor for some more advice. And the medical regulator has insisted that the benefits of taking the AstraZeneca vaccine still 
far outweigh the risks. Okay, the so the, okay, so all right, if I take the vaccine and I get a blood clot and I die, how does that outweigh me just living my life and potentially possibly getting infected? Because there's no guarantee that I'm going to get infected. But let's say that I do. Like my brother has had it and he's fine. He only was sick for like two days. My mother has had it and she's fine. She's only had it for a couple of days. So how does the risk of death by blood clot erase the, the, the benefits of the vaccine? Especially if you consider we don't even know the long term effects of what we're talking about, because there's OK. The immediate effect could be blood clots. What is the long term effect of this vaccine? We don't know because it's new. The vast majority of people. Our medical editor, Fergus Walsh, looks at the factors behind today's changes. Turn up, get your jab. So that's your vaccine done. The message remains the same, but in future, for the first time, the COVID vaccine you receive will depend on your age. That's because evidence is emerging of a link between the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine and very rare blood clots. The UK regulator, the MHRA, said up to the end of March, there have been 79 cases of rare clots with low platelets following a first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. 19 people have died. That's out of 20 million who received the jab. That's one rare clot in every 250,000 vaccinations. These monitoring systems are now detecting a potential side effect of the COVID-19 vaccine AstraZeneca in an extremely small number of people. The evidence is firming up. The balance of benefits and known risks of the vaccine is still very favourable for the vast majority of people. Very few adults under 30 have died from COVID, so that changes the risk-benefit balance from getting a vaccine. It's thought younger adults are at higher risk from clots after the AstraZeneca jab, about one in every 100,000 doses. So they'll be offered a... So they're going to come up with and they're going to come up with a alternative vaccine for young people. That's what they're saying. They're saying they're going to come up with an alternative vaccine for young people because young people are more at risk for blood clots than older people is what they're saying. So, you know, this this has never been done before. You know, it's never really been done before as far as them saying, oh, only young people need to get vaccinated and um, older people are good. Like, you know, they've never really done that before. So I do find that very interesting because for a while, you know, they were telling everybody, even children, even teenagers to get vaccinated. So now that we know that, I believe one of the vaccine trials on children has now been paused. And I'm gonna show you guys that clip too. But one of the vaccine trials on children has now been paused. So just keep that in mind as we, we decipher the news. different vaccine when their time comes. Are you worried that this change, of course, might um, damage vaccine confidence, especially in the young? But these are really carefully considered decisions 
and it remains vitally important that people who are called back for their second dose come for it and it remains vitally important that um, all adults in the UK come forward for vaccination when they are offered. There was no vaccine hesitancy in Birmingham among those who were getting the AstraZeneca jab. In the positive, is that well the negative? Uh, so for me, it wasn't really a question whether I was going to have it or not. Well, you can get blood clots any time. It doesn't have to be the vaccine. I'm not bothered at all. I'm very pleased. I've what, had do you mean? what do you mean? I've, I've, I've never had a blood clot. I've never had a blood clot ever. <laughs> okay. So, like, people are like, I'm in school to be a doctor. And, and, and blood clots is not a normal thing. For your blood clots or your platelets to be low, that's a problem. You never should have low platelets in your in your blood. You never should have blood clots either. So that's not something to just shrug off like, oh, well, you can get blood clots at any time. No, nigga. You, if you get a blood clot that's too big, you can fucking die. Okay? Within hours. So, you know, don't allow people to like, don't allow anybody to like try to diminish the seriousness of a blood clot because that shit is not cool okay so with that being said um i just wanted to point that out um because you know some people are just shrugging it off like oh shit it's a blood clot that's nothing but it's not nothing the European Medicines Agency has come to the same conclusion. There is a possible link between the AstraZeneca vaccine and very rare blood clots, mostly in women under 60. Several EU countries had already restricted the AstraZeneca vaccine to older adults. So look, the AstraZeneca vaccine is now restricted in all across Europe. So if you're not over 65, even in Iceland, you have to be at least 70 years old to get that vaccine there. In France, you have to be over 55. In Germany, you have to be over 60. In Finland, you have to be under 65. In Lithuania, you have to be over 65. And in Spain, um, you have to be 65. So that's really interesting that they're basically saying you have to be a senior citizen to um, get that particular vaccine. So what are they going to replace this vaccine with? The vaccine for younger people is going to be different, I guess, for older people. So now there's another possible vaccine coming specifically for the youth, which I find very, very interesting. Adults, France to those over 55, Germany to those over 60. vaccines in general for COVID because it has been shown to be amazingly effective. It saved thousands of lives already. Both Conservatives and Labour urged people to get vaccinated. The Prime Minister believes the lifting of restrictions shouldn't be disrupted. I don't see any, any reason at, at, at this stage at all to uh, think we need to, to deviate uh, from the roadmap and uh, we're also very secure about, about our supply. It's thought COVID. Okay, so y'all just heard that. Um, I got one more clip I want to play about AstraZeneca. And then we're going to talk about 
Um, we're going to talk about India, and then we'll be done. So, It's the latest setback for the AstraZeneca vaccine. Tonight, its creators, Oxford University, have announced a pause in its trial of the... ...jab in children, although it said there are no safety concerns in the trial itself. It's the latest response to claims the vaccine it developed may be linked to rare blood clots in the brain. In light of the emerging evidence, the UK's regulator, the MHRA, is expected to announce an update on the jab in the coming days. Today, visiting an AstraZeneca plant in Cheshire, the Prime Minister's message was keep calm and carry on. I think that the best thing people should do is, is, is look at what the, uh, the MHRA say, our independent regulator, that's, that's why we have them, that's why they're, uh, they're independent. And their advice to people is to uh, you know, keep going out there, get your, get your jab. So what do we know about the risks? The UK's regulator, the MHRA, says it's identified 30 cases of rare blood clots out of 18.1 million doses of the jab given out up to March the 24th. 22 cases developed cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, or CVST, the very rare blood clot in the brain, and eight involved other thrombosis events with low levels of platelets. Seven people died. The Netherlands has reported five cases of these blood clots in women aged 25 to 65 after 400,000 AstraZeneca vaccinations. One woman died and one also had a brain hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. And Germany has announced 31 cases after 2.7 million doses administered. Nine of them have died. The risk that you face from coronavirus is far more substantial than any risk that you'll face as a consequence of the vaccine. That's not to say there isn't a risk because all medicines have risks, all treatments have risks, but in this case, these risks are incredibly tiny and people shouldn't take away from this message that uh, you shouldn't get vaccinated. The latest controversy ramped up after a senior official at the European Medicines Agency spoke to an Italian newspaper in a personal capacity and said there appeared to be a link between the jab and these rare clots in a very small number of younger adults. That's unconfirmed, and the official position of the European regulator is still that vaccinations should continue, that the benefits vastly outweigh any possible risks. The EMA is reviewing the extremely rare cases and will make its findings public in the next few days. Vaccination programmes are predicated on the benefits outweighing any potential harms. Clearly, the risks of dying of COVID increase along the age gradient. So for people in their 80s, for example, with COVID high risk, the benefits of being vaccinated far outweigh any potential harms. But in younger age groups, the individual risk of COVID death is far lower. So if a causal link is proved in younger people between those rare blood clots and the vaccine, the risk-benefit profile changes. Across the globe, countries have made their own decisions about what's emerging. 
only this weekend. The Netherlands paused its AstraZeneca rollout for under-60s, saying the jab is safe, but the country must err on the side of caution. The vaccine remains fully suspended in Denmark and Norway, pending further assessments. Okay, so it's, it's fully suspended in Denmark and Norway. Fully suspended there, okay? But um, it's in other countries, they just restricted it to people over 65. So just keep in mind that some countries are completely not using the vaccine. So for me, this is how I look at it. I look at it like if it was such a rare, if it was such a rare thing where you basically have less than a 1% chance of this happening, why would Denmark and Norway completely ban this particular vaccine? Why would they completely ban it? You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that, uh, you know, we need to dismiss people getting blood clots in their brain. That's fucking serious. A blood clot in your brain is fucking serious as shit. Okay. So that's all I'm going to play about that. Um, I got one more clip I'm going to play about that. I will probably cover India in another video because I'm trying to keep this to like an hour. So I'm going to cover India. I'm going to cover India, what's happening in India and China. That's going to be another video. So let's play this clip from um, CBS Detroit right now. Let's play that. of a former Detroit anchor and media executive brought loved ones and colleagues together today to honor her contributions to the city. CW50's Chris Walker shows us how she's being remembered. Karen Hudson Samuel's career in broadcast journalism spanned over four decades in Detroit. After making her name at WGPR-TV as an anchor, producer, and news director, the historian and journalist used her vision to create one of the biggest accomplishments of her lifetime. We were talking about all the great people who have went through WGPR, uh, TV 62, and then we just thought that, hey, this story of this great institution should not die. To preserve the history of the country's first Black-owned and operated television station, WGPR, Samuels worked tirelessly to bring the William V. Banks Broadcast Museum to life. When this museum got on the National Register, she was very, very proud. The 68-year-old sudden death leaves the industry reciting her legacy and questioning why she had to go so soon. So in the spirit of caring, I want you to always know that the times may change, but these two words that Karen understood had great power, and that's thank you. And she was just a beautiful person. I mean, it's such a huge loss for this community. Like spoke with Karen the afternoon that uh, she passed, and uh, all we had was a long, long list of things she wanted to do, and that list was just getting longer. The Detroit media icon was found dead at her home last Tuesday by her husband just one day after taking the COVID-19 vaccine, but the official cause of her death is still unknown. So, so she literally got vaccinated and died a day later, okay? So what's crazy is they're talking about like, okay, they they need to basically 
Um, they need to basically change the vaccine so that younger people don't get blood clots and die. But there's older people that have got that have died within a day. So I got another case about a doctor in Florida who died a day after he took the vaccine. So, so let's let's look at this right here. They didn't perform an autopsy on this black woman. More than 50 million vaccinations have been administered to people in the U.S. And while the CDC has cited several side effects to the vaccine, there have been very few reported deaths. But a Virginia woman says she believes her mother, who had multiple underlying health conditions, died as a result of the vaccine. Lisa Jones, who lives in Gloucester, says her 58-year-old mother died less than an hour after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. Less than an hour. She died less than an hour after receiving this vaccine. This is a black woman, mind you. This is a black woman. VCU Tappahannock Hospital, where Dream Keys was admitted before she died, told Jones her mother had flash pulmonary edema caused by anaphylaxis, but at this time it's still unclear if that was the cause of her death. And the medical examiner told Jones they would not be performing a full autopsy. That was just um, something that ripped my heart out all over again because I, when something like this happens unexpectedly, you want answers. You want to uh, uncover everything. Jones says she feels more tests should have been performed before releasing her mother's body. Officials say the CDC and the Virginia Department of Health are investigating Key's death. Now, how the fuck aren't you going to perform an autopsy if somebody dies? How can you refuse to do an autopsy on a person? That lets you know that motherfuckers are covering up shit. That lets you know right there. People are fucking covering up shit and they're refusing to do autopsies on black people. That's completely fucking unacceptable, bro. Completely fun fucking unacceptable, bro. That's never going to be okay. It's bad enough that this woman is already dead. And then you're going to refuse to do an autopsy on her? Come on now, make it make sense. That shit is like unbelievable. Unfucking believable, bro. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. So I got one more video I'm gonna play and then I'm gonna wrap it up. How safe is the Pfizer COVID vaccine? We are investigating. The death of a South Florida doctor who passed away two weeks after getting his shot. And we have reactions from that doctor's family. And we're also now hearing from Pfizer as well as the Florida Department of Health on this one. Local 10 investigator Amy Viteri is live with what she has learned. Well, Dr. Gregory Michael passed away on Sunday just a little over two weeks after getting a COVID-19 vaccine at Mount Sinai Medical Center. 
But right now, it is not clear if his death is linked to that shot that he got back in mid-December. The Centers for Disease Control now looking into the death of Dr. Gregory Michael, who received the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine on December 18th. The 56-year-old got the vaccine at Mount Sinai Medical Center, where he ran a private practice as an OBGYN for the last 15 years. A Facebook post by Michael's wife describes him as very healthy. She says three days after getting the shot, he noticed severe broken blood vessels on his feet and hands, prompting him to go to the emergency room, diagnosed with something called immune thrombocytopenia, which prevents blood from clotting. After two weeks of treatment, she writes, he got a hemorrhagic stroke caused by the lack of platelets that took his life in a matter of minutes. Of platelets, I want to get her Facebook page. What is her Facebook page? After two weeks of treatment, she writes, Heidi Nickelman, okay. He got a hemorrhagic stroke caused by the lack of platelets that took his life in a matter of minutes. A spokesperson for Mount Sinai citing patient privacy restrictions, telling us in a statement, to the extent that we are aware of an incident involving any patient, the appropriate agencies are contacted immediately and have our full cooperation. Florida's Department of Health confirming they referred the case to the CDC for investigation. A CDC spokesperson telling us they will evaluate the situation as more information becomes available and provide timely updates on what is known and any necessary actions. The vaccine manufacturer Pfizer-BioNTech also responding in a statement, saying they are aware of the death of a healthcare professional 16 days after receiving a first dose. We are actively investigating this case, but don't believe at this time there is any direct connection to the vaccine saying there have been no related safety signals identified in trials or vaccinations so far. Well, Dr. Michael's family has asked for privacy during this time. His wife writing on Facebook, he was a vaccine advocate. He was also a father. The medical examiner's office telling us as of now, the cause of death has not been determined. And that is something they say could take several weeks. The CDC, of course, tasked with reviewing vaccine safety, telling us their thoughts are with the family. They say to date, more than 5 million people have received COVID-19 vaccines in the United States. Of course, this is a story we are going to continue to follow. And okay, so y'all just heard that this was a vaccine advocate, a doctor of 15 years, a father, um, a, a perfectly healthy white male, and... Yes, he has now been, you know, his wife is now speaking out about it. So, um, Oracle, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, my brother. Thank you so much for having me on your station today. This is a very interesting story. I came up because I heard about it too. Um, it's unfortunate. And I wanted to ask you, so if they, if they okay, so it's like it's like it may be uh, a case of they got caught off guard. This doctor died, and yeah. it just so happens after you know uh, he had received the co uh, whatever. I'm not gonna say the word, but you know the vaccination went up, and then uh, just only a few uh, weeks after, and uh, but uh, this this to me and my with all things being equal, I'm just saying this is all alleged. This is my perception. Do you think that they start clamping down on further reports? Like maybe this is not an isolated case and they're not making, uh, you know, any uh, public announcements about people that may have suffered the same fate? Yes, yes. Right before this, I just played a clip about a black woman who was 58 years old and she died within an hour. 
from getting the vaccine. And they refused to do an autopsy on this woman. I said, I've never heard of, I've never heard of anything like that. Like, how can you refuse to do an autopsy on a dead person? That's your job. So, yeah, I don't think this is isolated at all. I definitely think because he's a white man, um, they have to investigate, right? Because he's a doctor. But for that black woman who's just a regular schmegular person, they're right. refusing to do an autopsy on her. So, yeah, I definitely, I, I would say yes. Yeah, because um, it seems to me that, uh, you know, we suffer from intersectionality in our society as black people. And unfortunately, uh, we don't get a fair shake at being able to express disclosure. So uh, unfortunately, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost certain, don't we love our people just like anybody else? That's right. And so if that's the case, I'm sure that this woman's family wants an autopsy, wants to make it known an hour, an yeah. hour. You, can, hour. You, you cannot say that there's more than enough uh, in my alleged uh, perception, you cannot, a uh, person uh, with reasonable knowledge and sense cannot just say, uh, oh, well, maybe it was due to other complicate. No, an hour, she was fine before that. She was fine enough to be, uh, don't you have to uh, show some type of uh, uh, health report to, to even be uh, able to take the shot? Because um, don't you know, um, did you see about the reports where they were saying that they were looking at people who were even candidates? Like you cannot have uh, compromising conditions, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you've seen that or not, but I did hear something like that. So I was just wondering. So if, if she if she's showing herself to be healthy and viable enough to take this vaccination. So, so, so you can't attribute it to, you know, a pre-underlying condition. And just, right. and just and just ignore the idea that uh, in lieu of her death that she had just recently taken this. You cannot ignore that. So uh, what is it that they don't want us to see is my question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot they don't want us to see. Uh, we got Mike in the house. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning, Rob. Good morning, uh, Oracle. Uh, you know, you know what, you know, you know what, you know, uh, I've taken both of the shots myself. And what I've noticed with these shots is that I've had like severe migraine headaches, <laughs> you know, and, and, and maybe I'm just ignorant to the fact, but I'm just wondering too, maybe you two can give me some insight on this. And it's just my belief. There's nothing I really read of her or her, but I believe this vaccine was created to eliminate people. And it can be people of color. It can be all people. But I believe that this was created to eliminate a mass of people. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but I also believe that the big businesses is making, you know, billions of dollars on this vaccine. I mean, what, what is you guys thoughts on that? Uh, Shaquem? Uh, before before uh, I, I weigh in, uh, I wanted to hear from Shaquem on that and, and add in there anything that you may have heard about uh, depopulation efforts. 
Yes. So right now in Europe, um, actually all Western countries, like as far as Europeans, they have uh, a sperm count. And they have uh, low fertility rates and low low birth rates, like the lowest birth rate ever recorded. So what's happening now is that um, they don't have enough people to basically replace themselves. And in Africa and, you know, black people, they're having a, a population increase. So I definitely would agree with that. Um, I definitely would agree that this is about because this is a genetic based vaccine. So whenever we start talking about genetics, you know, it's a whole nother level. It's not like the vaccine is just them putting a dead virus in you to just get an immune response. Cause they could have done that. They could have taken a bunch of dead viruses and just vaccinated people the old fashioned way. But they changed it and did a, a RNA based vaccine. So when we start talking about altering genes and altering um, and, and there was actually a doctor named Dr. Mike Yeadon who worked for Pfizer and he actually quit Pfizer because he said he found evidence that these vaccines were causing infertility in women. So oh. I would agree with that a thousand percent. Yeah, I agree with you, Shaquem. I don't know why they didn't do this in an in inoculation way or inoculative way. If that's such a word, um, it's curious to me because most uh, times that you do get vaccinated is mostly inoculation. Um, they took this one step further in science and introduced some agents. Uh, I'm not going to say, of course, I want to try and protect this life. So, uh, but uh, with respect for that, um, there is some things that a lot of people are just simply not aware of about this certain situation. From my understanding, my perspective, uh, I do get uh, journals and things of that nature due to my studies in mental health. And one of those journals that I read upon was some to uh, allude to, I'm just going to say allude to, this is actually an experimental phase. Um, they're not going to be uh, held responsible in any way, shape, or form because once you take that virus or uh, once you take that uh, quote-unquote alleged whatever it is, it's supposed to be in my perception, everybody's understanding it to be a what? An inoculation. So this is a dormant or dead virus, supposedly. Once you've taken that on these realms, in this day and time, on these specific uh, re new releases and releases of the quote-unquote inoculations, you are therefore uh, in uh, advertently giving away your rights to be a part of the experiment. Okay. So, but th th uh, this is the thing. Because it does take a long time to see long-term effects, you cannot buy time. You cannot uh, purchase time. But it looks as if something happened, and that's exactly what happened here, in my personal opinion, that they purchased time. Um, they got things passed that, that, that takes a certain amount of time naturally to wait. You have to give it time to see the long-term effects on what it may do. We don't know those answers. 
So quite naturally, if you don't know the answer to a thing, you should what? Continue to what? Study it. You should continue to look and weigh out the findings. If you're doing a research on a certain thing, your, your whole goal is to try and search out any uh, future findings, especially if you know that you're not uh, able to answer all of the questions that it may bring. And this is a natural question. What are the long-term effects? What are the immediate effects? What are the intermediate effects? And if you don't know those answers, you should what? Wait. So why are we buying time here? So if people are actually uh, expiring out and we don't see any records of why, we're not getting what uh, um, the uh, reports on any uh, findings from toxicology through the uh, efforts of uh, autopsy or uh, even just a simple, simple uh, analysis of what's in the blood. You don't even have to do a full autopsy, just draw a blood sample. Um, would you say, uh, Shaquem? Yeah, and like one thing I just found out is like, so my mom had COVID last year and we just got it again. Like she was tested positive, I guess, today. So like, it's really crazy. Like <laughs> just because you like, and they've even said, if you get fully vaccinated, um, you can still get reinfected, you know, because the virus is mutated. So in the case of my mother, she was a nurse and she already had COVID last year and now she has it again. And she already had antibodies from her first infection. So just to show you, like, even if you're getting vaccinated, it doesn't mean you're safe. And they're not really telling people that, you know, because they keep saying, oh, well, the benefits of getting vaccinated outweigh the risk of COVID. Well, not necessarily because just because you get vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get reinfected and, and give it to other people. And then on top of that, like for my mom, she's been very sick for a long time. She's been sick for like two months and she didn't know why she was oh, sick. Mm. And, you know, we didn't know why she was like vomiting and having so much pain. Um, she had to get her gallbladder removed like last month. And she's also like, they gave her like um, some medicine for, I guess like, you know, she's having a lot of mental. So we could even talk about like, there's mental side effects of, of the virus or, you know, just having it, like they said, 34% of people have like some type of neurological effect or, or, or we could consider that not just like the brain, but also like your mental, your mental state. And she's been having a lot of breakdowns. Right. right. Been, um, yeah, I read a couple of articles on that. Okay. Yeah. So she's even had hallucinations. I'll keep your mother in prayer. I pray that she gets better. I do regret to hear that about uh, her, and I'm pretty sure others are suffering some type of issue as it relates to that. So um, it's just uh, we we need to stay focused here. Uh, in my personal opinion, uh, as it relates to the general population that is ready to uh, go ahead and get those rounds on the basis of we need to understand where did this come from in the first place? How did they get its true start? Uh, I think they need to uh, really get clear about that because 
every time you turn around, it's some different story on where it started, how it got started, how it got transmitted, you know, these things. So that coupled with exactly what are they releasing? Why is this particular uh, inoculation different from that one? And they're supposed to uh, bait the same thing. You see what I'm saying? Right. But let me ask you this. Let me let me, mm -hmm. let me ask you this question, though. Why would they be honest with people of color when we're not going to be the ones who's uh, <laughs> benefiting the from gap. these trillions of dollars that's been here's, made on this vaccine? Here's the gap. It's not just people of color. That's what Shaquem was saying at the beginning. Remember? But, but they don't mind what I'm talking about. Listen, mm -hmm. listen, this is, this is, we're, we're all being used as guinea pigs. So they're willing to sacrifice a certain percentage, whether it's people of color, whether it's white, whether it's Asian, expired, right. whatever it is. You know right. what I'm saying? So that's my point. So yeah, I'm just saying people of color because we're people of color. That's what I'm concerned about first is black people first yeah. and then others next. So right. I just use that reference just to say that. Right. But remember, there's billions of dollars involved. They're not going to be honest with people like us. They've been honest behind the door with the president, with politicians, with, you understand? With people with right. money. They understand what's going on. You can believe that because they're getting a different vaccine than what the general public is receiving. Did, uh, let me ask you, and I don't want to get into you guys' personal business. Did one of you guys do the vaccine? No. I played the fifth. Okay, you played the fifth. The only reason why I asked you that question is because when I did it, right, I was under the impression with my job because they was pushing everybody like, okay, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. So I rushed and did it because I thought I had to do it. And mm -hmm. then I realized, then I had realized <laughs> a week later when I got in touch with a friend of mine who's a, who's a chief steward at the union, he said, nah, you didn't have to do that. And then I became upset with myself because nobody in my family, everybody in my family is refusing to do it. I'm the only one who did it. You, you did what you thought was right, and that's going to be their excuse. Remember, <laughs> we talked about this. Remember this day. This is going to be a very important live, Shaquem, because that's going to be the excuse. We did what we thought was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, what, but, but the question that I ask you guys are, like, what did they really put into me? I don't really know. Exactly. Now I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, and I'm a healthy person. I'm 44 years old. You know, I've told I've told Rod a story. Man. I don't need to tell that story again. But my health, I, I, I'm in good health. So I'm more afraid what's going to happen to me six months from now, a year from now. And nobody can find out the cause. Right. I just drop dead. Or either I go into a coma or either, you understand, I start having seizures. Yes. Or if not, I start having mental health issues, you understand, that I've never had before in my life. Yes. So that's the meat of it. Stay focused on that, my brother, because you could be a living testimony to what we're talking about on today at some given date. I pray nothing ever happens to you. But uh, as you can see with the findings that they do go ahead and let us know about, we can't discount that. This is very, very telling. A, a medical doctor, a nurse, yeah. mm -hmm. who else are they not telling us about? You know what I'm saying? See, see, also what I want to say too, though, Rod, is that we got to, you know, eventually got to take our attention from the Umar sector and then we have to begin to talk about this because to me, this is more relevant than all that other nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, this is, this is the real deal. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 
you know so I yeah, know. Uh, so, yeah. Know. but i wish that we i wish that we did because if you think about it mm -hmm. raw you know raw is actually this guy he's a genius I don't yes, even know is. if he really understand that. He is a genius. I, I, I He's a living and walking genius. You understand? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he gave me chills saying that because you're, I recognize and I can hear a genius. <laughs> By the time you make your 35th birthday, I wouldn't be surprised if you be a millionaire, <laughs> become a, a millionaire. And that's no joke. Um, your knowledge He's, all, he's already a millionaire. You are. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying like well known, like famous, you know. So yeah, like you're gonna have books. I could see that in your future. Uh, you're going to aspire uh, to uh, make breakthroughs because um, your brain is, is is searching for some answers in in, in your medical uh, studies. Um, I, I feel like you're going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with in biochemistry, uh, nuclear science. Um, I say stay focused, dear brother. Uh, you have a bright future, and um, just don't forget about us, Lapeons. <laughs> okay, but let me, but let me, but let me, but hey, Oracle, Oracle, let me ask you this question then. Why waste your time yes. on this Umar sector? Why not just move away from this and say, you know what, God has a bigger plan in my life, and this is so that's, toxic, that's, this that's is so the, toxic that it can, it can, it can do something to his reputation. You understand your yes. reputation is worth more than anything on the face of this earth. Your word and your reputation is worth more than anything to me. <laughs> yes, that's the draw I've been telling people all this entire time since the year started. That's the entire draw. I, I don't have any Umar information on my page. I washed all of Umar <laughs> off of my page. I don't talk about Umar at all. And when I hear his name, I'm like, okay, every single time y'all bring that name up, that and the AFW, every single time they bring either one of those names up, they breathe fresh new life. It's like uh, giving it a dose of CPR. If yeah, you but you know what? Yo, yo. Don't mention it. Don't even say his name. But but you know Don't what, Dark? You know? Your content, your con your, but your content, I listened to you about a year ago on Umar, and your content was spot ago. on. Yeah, but but you understand what I'm saying. But I'm just saying though, your content—you got excellent content. I enjoy listening to you. I was empowered it by what you was doing. It yeah, so purpose. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. That, I agree, and, that, and that's something we have to pull away from and go into yeah. areas like with Shock and Rod. Shock and Rod could be a leader over here in this sector, and all we need to do is just give this guy an opportunity and bring the platform to him. Because it does no good for him to express all this knowledge and it go by the wayside, not heard by ears that need to hear it, especially in this sector. Because we are defocused, we are concentrating on the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Rod, yeah. you have to understand that. You have to understand that too, Rod. You're a very special individual, man. And I can't express that to you. You know, more, you know, and I, and I always say as a father, because that's the only thing I really know, only thing I really care about is a father, man. So that's a badge honor for me, man. And I only speak from a father standpoint, brother. You got to begin to fade yourself away from this thing because you got so much to offer the world, brother. Yeah, thank you, man. Um, like, I've been doing a lot of videos on um, comedic science and um, microbiology and how important 
vitamin D is, like uh, vitamin D, we over 80% of the population has a vitamin D deficiency. So vitamin D deficiency, when we have that, that leads to diabetes, cancer, multiple sclerosis, and a lot of other health issues. So like vitamin D is even more important for us as black people because the way that we get vitamin D is by sunlight. We get 90% of vitamin D through sunlight and 10% from our diet. So if you're not getting a blood test, when you go to the hospital, they often do not test you for vitamin D. When they do a complete blood count test, they only count how many uh, white blood cells and how many red blood cells you have. So I encourage everybody, um, if you have time to go to the doctor or just go to the lab, you don't even have to go to the doctor. When you go to the lab, just tell them to do a specific test for your vitamin D level because you need to know what your vitamin D levels are. And you can get vitamin D3 as a supplement um, for like 20 bucks. So it's not expensive to get vitamin D either. Because right now, I know I'm not getting hardly any sunlight, you know, where I'm at. Right, right. Me either. And uh, you're so right about that. I, I do have uh, vitamin supplements that have a host of vitamin D, different variants of vitamin D. So I'm going to uh, make a promise to you, Shaquem, I will go ahead and start back taking them on today. Um, also, I promise that uh, I will start going outside a lot more than what I already do. Because usually when I go outside, hi, Miss Verla. Uh, usually when I go outside, I only spend maybe five or 10 minutes outside. And I know that's not long enough because um, um, I'm just so busy with school to where, um, you know, that's my main focus. So I'm always trying to take care of making sure that I'm doing what I need to do. But uh, I can make the time. I'm, I'm just um, procrastinating, I guess. And and that's what we do sometimes, Shaquille. We just sometimes we know what to do was right, right? But we just start procrastinating. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, like, a lot of us don't. Um, like I said, when I went to the hospital, they did a, they did a CBC count, um, like, to check my blood levels. But they didn't do anything for vitamin D. So if you don't ask for it, they're not going to do it. So it's just important that people know that this is something that you have to ask your laboratory to, to do. Okay. You know, it's not when a standard. When I go back, I'm not going back anytime soon. Um, I uh, took a hiatus off of uh, health care right now because of this situation. I right. don't want to run into nobody. I am actually in a state of if I get it, I'm, it's a high probability I won't make it. So I'm doing everything I can to keep myself away from folk. But right. um I am uh, doing holistic care for myself and it's working. So, but I, I know at some point I might eventually have to go back for at least a checkup and I would definitely ask for them to uh, check uh, that vitamin D level. So yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might actually be able to order um, a kit where you can um, send a sample in like at home, I'm not sure. Maybe I like knows about that, but uh, mm -hmm. like if you're getting good vitamin D already, you should be fine. But oh, yeah. like a lot of the effects, as far as like um, your immune system, mm -hmm. based on your vitamin D levels. So even if you're getting a nice amount, you can triple or double, double it to like four thousand or two thousand or three thousand, because uh, it it regulates your immune response so that you're not always in a state of defense, you know? So yeah, just um, Outlaw actually taught me about that. So mm -hmm. shout out to Outlaw for 
letting black people know about um, mm -hmm. about vitamin D. It's very important, very important. So Oracle, I hope you're um, doing good over there. Can Do you have any supplements that you recommend before we wrap up the show? Um, yes, um, I recommend a few supplements and also some teas, some herbal teas. Uh, one of the main supplements that uh, I am uh, also taking is vitamin E, uh, vitamin E and vitamin A. Uh, vitamin E and vitamin A are um, very good supplements to add along with helping uh, vitamin D, uh, vitamin C. Uh, a lot of times uh, we are lacking the vitamin C. Um, and, and you can really tell it in your gums. Um, if you are lacking vitamin C, uh, it helps with uh, gum health. And anytime you have any tenderness in your teeth, uh, excuse me, your gums and uh, pain in your uh, root of your mouth and peeling away of that, uh, you may want to check, uh, like you say, on the vitamin D for your bones. Um, the vitamin C helps with um different things such as oral health and that kind of thing. So uh, those are the uh, three I would add to that. And I, how I get mine is do one a day for older ladies. So um, I have the one a day vitamin and then I have another other vitamin. I have to pull it out. So the next time um, you do a live, I'll, I'll let you know what vitamins I take. And um, I also recommend teas. Um, the uh, I take black tea. Uh, I also take the green tea and I blend the two and uh, it's like a detoxifying. It helps with cell repair. Um, it also helps with your immune system. Um, a little bit of uh, peppermint oil. Um, and this is just basic stuff that you can get. But um, I do have a regimen that I do. Uh, maybe I'll make a, a video sometime later tonight to give you a scope. But uh, right now, those would be uh, the ones that I would recommend. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much, Oracle. We always love hearing from you and your wisdom. Um, so thank you for. Thank you for having me. You have a wonderful day. I'll see you next time. All right. See you. See you next time. Peace out. All right, y'all. So we had a good podcast today. I'm, I have a, a bunch of videos to do, so I'm about to get ready for that. So I will see you guys in the next podcast. Peace.